Well, again, good morning. Welcome to Long Hill Baptist Church's Sunday School Hour. Today is going to be our fourth and final lesson in our study entitled Islam and Biblical Christianity. If you would take your Bibles and turn to 1 John chapter number 4, verse number 18. 1 John chapter number 4, and we'll be there in a few moments. I'd like to start with a little bit of review and a quick reminder, as we've been reminding everyone listening from, from the beginning, and that, that is that the purpose of this Sunday School lesson is, again, to equip our church members with knowledge to um, share biblical Christianity with those who practice Islam. And of course, none of the statements in this lesson are meant to be unloving towards Islamic people, but rather our goal is to provide a biblical perspective on the topic. And so in our first lesson, we saw why this series was actually important and what Muslims actually believe. A lot of us have some preconceived notions, and so we took a dive into what Muslims actually believe. In our second lesson, we saw what Muslims practice. We saw the five main pillars of their doctrine or faith. There is actually six, if you consider the last one. And then in our third lesson, we considered what Muslims believe about Christianity and how us as Bible believers can respond to their preconceived notions about what we believe. And now today, the purpose is going to be to see how we can take all the knowledge that we've learned and actually practically help a Muslim person come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Uh, so let's pray and we'll begin. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity again to look into your word and to consider everything we know about the Islamic faith. And Lord, I pray that you would be with all of us in a special way today. Lord, I pray you'd calm my nerves Help me to feel well, Lord, and, and able to give what you've taught me to give today. And Lord, I pray as we look into how we can win the Muslim person to Christ, Lord, I pray you'd help me to speak clearly, help us to understand. And Lord, again, as we've been praying, if just one person would come to the saving knowledge of Christ through what we've learned, we'll give you all the glory for that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As we begin, there are a few things that I want us to keep in mind as we begin. First is the fact that Muslims themselves are also commanded uh, to share their faith, just like we are. They're taught that their religion is the one true religion, just like we believe. And just like us, they're very zealous and determined to not only keep their beliefs, but to share what they believe. Now, interestingly, to a Muslim, any of these following things are going to be considered a victory. The first one is when a church building, perhaps an old congregational building, is transformed into a mosque. And we saw this happen right in Bridgeport. There was a large church that was transformed into a, a mosque. And so for the Muslim person, that was a great victory for them. A couple other victories that you'll see on the uh, Muslim side will be when a Westerner, is converted to Islam. Obviously, that's considered um, one. And also, there's another, when a Muslim marries a Christian woman, because they understand that the Muslim person will have influence over the Christian woman and perhaps see a conversion there as well. Now, it's interesting and important to keep in mind that these victories are happening every single day. But here's the last and perhaps most important thing I want us to remember. 
The most important thing for us to keep in mind is that it is possible to reach a Muslim person to Christ. It is possible. It's not out of reach, and nothing is too hard for the Lord. Today, we have an unprecedented opportunity to interact with Muslim people from all over the world. Perhaps many years ago, we would have had to go to them. But now we understand, as we've seen in previous lessons, they're moving in right next to us. They're coming to us. And so the paradigm has shifted, and we now have a greater opportunity to see Muslim people come to the saving knowledge of Christ. And so today what we want to look at is how can we help a Muslim person? How can we share with them the truth of Jesus Christ? Here's the first thing I want us to consider. Number one, you as the Christian person need to know what your Bible says. You need to know your Bible thoroughly. While we do have some understanding of what the Muslim person believes now, it is important and equally as important that we understand our Bible and the doctrines that we believe in. It is crucial that we know our own message and its meaning so that we can share that with the Islamic person. We must pray to the Lord to help us understand God's word and to grow our personal relationship with Jesus Christ before we can properly share the gospel with a Muslim person. We need to be able to make it clear to the Muslim person what it means to be a Christian. And if we don't know that, we won't be able to properly share that with the Islamic person. Now, it's also important to keep in mind that now that we have all this knowledge about Islam, we don't need to lecture the Muslim person about what they believe. They know what they believe. Again, our goal is to show them what the Bible teaches. Our goal is to prove to them that the Bible, even though it has been translated into hundreds of different languages, has remained authentic, inerrant, trustworthy, and truthful. Our goal is to, to show them that the Bible is trustworthy. It can, it can be trusted, and it can be used to win their soul to Christ. The second main thing I want us to consider, and we're going to be going very quickly, so forgive me, we've got a lot to cover, but if anyone wants a copy of these notes, I'll be happy to give it to you. The second thing is that we need to make sure that we're not intimidated when we go into winning this Muslim person to the Lord. I know for myself and for other people, just the very fact of knocking on someone's door can be intimidating. Winning someone to the Lord can be intimidating. I remember a preacher once said, if you're not afraid when you're going soul winning, you're nuts. And I thought that was funny because it's true. Going soul winning is an intimidating thing. But especially going soul winning to a Muslim community can be very intimidating. Again, number one, because we don't know a lot about them, but now we do. That was the purpose of this lesson. Um, but we need to make sure that our fear from soul winning doesn't become a roadblock. And so I had you open to 1 John chapter number 4, and we're going to read verse 18 together where it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. And again, that first part is, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. So the question is, do you really love the Islamic people? Do you really love that Muslim person on the other side of the door? Do you really love that Muslim coworker? Do you want to see them saved? Well, that love should banish our fear. 
Among the many roadblocks to witnessing to a Muslim person is the fear of the Lord. Why? Or is the fear of, of soul winning. Why is that? Well, because Satan uses it as one of his attacks and one of his weapons. But here's the key. The fear of the Lord that binds us and prevents us from winning them must be replaced with what? The fear of the Lord. The fear of soul winning must be replaced with the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of knowledge. And we see that in Proverbs chapter number 1, verse 7. When we're tempted to be afraid when we're given the gospel, we must trust that the presence and power of the Holy Spirit is what's going to bring about the conversion. Remember, that's who's going to win the soul. It's going to be the Holy Spirit. Remember that no one is beyond the reach of God. We started with that. And that Muslims aren't necessarily harder to reach than anyone else. They're just another lost soul that needs to come to the saving knowledge of Christ. That said, we do need to keep in mind that a Muslim person has been indoctrinated from birth against Christianity. We do need to keep that in mind. Their whole way of life has been crafted to oppose Christianity. That said, again, the Holy Spirit is the one who will win the soul. And another thing to keep in mind is that we should not be intimidated if their tone, the, the tone of the person that we're talking to, um, becomes aggressive, or even if they give the impression that they're firm on their belief, because here's a secret, they are firm in their belief. And so don't be intimidated when they're coming at you with what they believe. Again, trust that the Holy Spirit is going to be the one that will pierce their heart. The third most important thing that we need to do is to be kind and speak the truth in love. Simply put, when we go to give the gospel, we've got to be friendly. Ephesians 4.15 instructs us that the truth must be spoken in love. Remember that our task is to win the person, not the argument. And that's going to be one of our themes for today. Our goal is to win the person to Christ, not the argument. And remember that it's going to be the Holy Spirit that's going to be winning the soul. Paul says in uh, Timothy, he says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.14, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about uh, with words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. We must remember that when we go to speak with an Islamic person, we've got to keep ourselves from getting into useless confrontations. If there's a Muslim in your place of work or study, build a relationship with them. Don't seek to just pick at them or, or to pick their brain about things and, and create useless confrontation. Build a relationship with them that could result in you having the opportunity to win them to the Lord. Here's another thing. Remember that Muslims have a works-based salvation. Now, they see deeds as something very good and respectable. And the only reason I'm bringing that up is that if you promise you're going to meet with someone, if you promise you're going to do something, make good on your word. If you say you're a Christian, live like a Christian. They're going to be watching you. They're going to be watching your living testimony. So if you say you're going to do something, if you say that you don't do something, make sure you're living on that because they're watching your living testimony. Always be fair and courteous in your arguments. Of course, there is going to be some back and forth when you're talking to a Muslim person, but never get into a quarrel or become angry because that's not going to get you anywhere. Speak with grace and never demean the person that you're speaking to. Again, allow the Holy Spirit to work in their hearts. 
The fourth thing we're going to see is be ready to give your personal testimony. We've talked about your walking testimony, your life being a testimony, but you need to also be willing to give your personal testimony, how the Lord saved you. We must be intentional in our witnessing to others. Begin by sharing your own testimony of conversion. Explain and express your assurance of salvation and protection from the Lord. Never underestimate the power of your own personal testimony. Remember that Muslims like to hear about the transforming power of God in other people's lives. Remember, Muslims believe in a God. It's not our God, but they love to hear about how God works in other people's lives. Now, that's a huge open door for us, because if we're able to tell them about how the Lord changed our life around completely, that's something they're going to be willing to listen to. Now, here's a question. Do you know your personal testimony enough to give it to a Muslim person? Perhaps we need to look back and, and make sure that we have a, a testimony that we can give. I remember one of the first things they had us do in Bible college was write out our personal testimony and make it in a tract form. They want us to be able to use the power of our personal testimony. Now, of course, if you're considering, um, maybe you don't remember or perhaps you don't have a personal testimony, then of course, just like anyone else, you can choose today to repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ, just like anyone else. If you, if you realize that, you know what? I don't have a personal testimony. Well, today's the day to have one. Today's the day to, to, to start that. Now, moving on, another thing that we want to make sure to do is avoid stereotypes and generalizations especially when we're dealing with people in the Islamic community. We need to choose to see people clearly without prejudice. And I understand sometimes that can be hard, but when we're going into uh, speaking of the gospel with a Muslim person, we must choose to see them clearly without prejudice. We should not necessarily assume that that Muslim person we're talking to doesn't want to hear about the gospel. Again, we've got to keep ourselves from these preconceived notions. They don't want to hear about the gospel because they very well may do. Again, another thing to keep in mind is that not every Muslim person is an extremist. We won't go any more than that, but not every Muslim person is an extremist. Now remember to let the Muslim understand the difference between biblical Christianity and Western Christianity. Remember that Muslims have a very ill taste in their mouth when it comes to Western society and Western Christianity, quote unquote. So we need to show them that what we're offering them, what we're showing them is true Bible Christianity and true salvation. Because remember, stereotypes work both ways. So we have to make that clear. Perhaps most importantly, my, our next tip is going to be use the word of God. Now, we've said in previous discussions that perhaps the Muslim person isn't going to be willing to hear the word of God, but we have to understand that it is the word of God, the sword of the spirit that pierces asunder. And so we need to use the word of God when dealing with a Muslim person. Remember to be gracious, but don't give the impression that you believe that the Quran is also a revealed book from God, we need to help them understand that the only true word of God is the Bible that we have here. When you're witnessing to someone, use the Bible. Don't just quote it. 
We, it's good to have verses in your mind, but when you're dealing with a Muslim person, take out your Bible, show them, read from the Bible itself. We want them to hear the gospel, so refer to the Quran as little as possible. Keep the main thing the main thing. Use your Bible and urge them to read it without prejudice. Again, remember, that goes both ways. Most Muslims who ultimately do come to the Lord, hear this, come not by power of argument, but by reading the Bible. Most Muslims who do actually come to the saving knowledge of Christ will do so by reading the Bible itself. Here's another just practical tip to keep in mind. Remember that a Muslim person is often unappreciative of something that they receive as a free gift. So if you're going to give a Bible to a Muslim person, or if you want them to have a Bible, ask them to go and buy one. Because here's the thing, they see anything that's given as free as not worth something. And if they see that we give so much worth to the Bible, and then they see us just giving it out for free, they, they, seem that, they, they believe that to be demeaning. That may sound silly, but it's not. It's what they believe. And so encourage them to buy their own Bible and to start reading it. Most Muslims, as we've talked about before, understand what the Sermon on the Mount is. They're familiar with that passage. So if you're going to have a Muslim person begin reading the Bible, Matthew is actually a good place to start. Now, we've talked about this before, but I think it's important to bring up again. Do not use a torn or defaced Bible when witnessing to a Muslim person. We have already learned how Muslims like to see that we show respect for our holy book. They have their holy book, we have our holy book. We need to show reverence to it. Again, just very practical now. Don't put it on the floor or just casually toss it on the table. If you do that, they will see it as a sign of disrespect and they will be more likely to not listen to what you have to say. Here's something else, just very practical. Avoid using a red letter Bible when you're giving the gospel to a Muslim person, or they'll think that only the red letters are what the Lord has actually speaking. And of course, we understand that the whole Bible is, is God-breathed. Now, again, be careful where you take your Bible, and we won't get into too much detail, but just be careful what you do with your Bible, how you treat it, because they truly do look to see how we respect our holy book. And as we said before, the Gospel of Matthew is, is a great place to go because, again, they're familiar with the Sermon on the Mount. They know what it is, and that's a great place to start um, having them read the Bible if you've gotten to the point where they're willing to start looking into you and reading their Bible. The next thing that you're going to want to be very careful to do is ask thought-provoking questions. Just as in when we're dealing with anyone else when it comes to salvation, we want to make sure that we get them thinking. We don't want to do all the thinking for them because why? We can't get saved for them. It's going to have to be their personal decision. So we want them to start thinking. I'm going to give you a few questions. You may want to write them down. Some things that you can ask a Muslim person to get them to think. Here's the first one. Do you know where you will spend life after death? And of course, that's a common one that we use with anyone. Are you 100% sure you're going to go to heaven when you die? Here's another simple one. Who is God? Remember, they have a different God than we do. That's, one, that's going to be one of the first hurdles we have to get over. Who is God? Here's a third. Why would a holy God let you into heaven? 
So if you do believe in God and you do believe in heaven, why would a holy God let you into heaven? What do you understand about the assertion that Jesus is the Son of God? What do they believe about Jesus? Here's another question. Are your sins forgiven? Perhaps even before that, do you believe you're a sinner? And then secondly, are your sins forgiven? Just a few more uh, to consider. Why is there sin in the world in the first place? Have you ever heard about the real Lord Jesus? And then finally, have you ever read the Bible? These are questions that can get the Muslim person's mind thinking. And as they begin to consider their answers, we'll be able to provide them answers from Scripture that will be able to help us give them the gospel. As Christians, we should ensure that we can explain all these things to Muslims. Again, that was the first thing that we talked about. We need to make sure that we know the answers to these questions so that we can provide biblical ones to them. We have to show the Muslim person how sin pollutes all human beings, and therefore we need a a savior. Show how sin requires punishment. Now, note this. Know that Allah can do anything, including overlook sin. Now, why is that so important? The idea is is that um, in, in the Muslim community, Allah can just overlook sin without it having to be paid for. So in their mind, yes, they're doing things that are wrong, but that thing, those things can be overlooked. Whereas when we see in the Bible, we see that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. So we have to start from the very basics and help them to understand that we are all come short and we all have a death sentence upon us because of sin. When speaking about Jesus, here's another interesting thing to keep in mind. Use one of his titles or offices, just like they do with their prophets. For example, you can say, Jesus the Savior, or Jesus the Redeemer. Again, that's just something that's going to be more familiar to them. But if you use those terms, Savior or Redeemer, you'll have the opportunity to explain what a Savior or what a Redeemer is. Again, they're going to have a polluted idea of what redemption actually is. So again, that can give you a doorway into how to speak to a Muslim person. Remember to explain that we do not worship three separate gods. We've talked about that a lot, so we won't go into that more. Christ is entirely who he says he is in the Bible. Remember to explain that salvation is only through grace by faith and port out and remember to bring out the importance of repentance. Remember, we believe in repentance of sin and faith in Jesus Christ as the as the true way to biblical salvation. Another thing to keep in mind, we've, we've brought this up um, before, but we'll go into it a little bit more. We've got to make sure that we don't engage in endless debates. We have got to avoid confrontational discussions, and we must, we must be ready to listen and to hear. Of course, our main goal is going to be sharing the gospel with them, but when they want to speak, Let them speak. Let them say what they have to say. Let them answer your questions. Let them um, say what they want to say, because if you don't, they're going to view it as you just cutting them off, and they may not be willing to hear. So again, let them have their say, and remember that your goal is not to win the argument, but rather to win the soul. Let the Bible speak for itself. Again, you're, you're just the tool. The Bible will be speaking for itself. The Holy Spirit will be winning the soul. 
And remember that though there will be disagreements, we must show honor and respect at all times. When we're speaking to a Muslim person, remember they could get heated, they could get um, angry, but we must make sure that we're always in the position of respect and honor to them as a person. We're gonna get into a little bit more practical things. So if you haven't been listening, this is where I want you to listen. We want, when we're talking to a Muslim person, we want to use one-on-one interaction. When it comes to giving the gospel to a Muslim person, we wanna use one-on-one interaction. Remember that family bonds are everything to a Muslim person. They live as a community. That's why we have continued to use the words Muslim community. They live in a community lifestyle. A Muslim will fear that their interest in the gospel will be retorted to the local imam. Now, let me back up there. So if you're talking to a Muslim person about the gospel, they show interest in the gospel. Again, remember, if you're talking to a Muslim person, they're bound to tell somebody else about who they've been talking to. And a Muslim person may fear that their interest in the gospel will be reported to the local imam. Again, that's the Muslim or the mosque leader. That's their pastor in a sense. They will feel the need to defend Islam if you talk to them in a group. Okay? So here's what we're trying to get at. When you talk to a Muslim person, you want to try to talk to them one-on-one. You don't want to talk to them in a group, because if you're talking to them in a group, you have one person who's interested. The other people are going to want to defend Islam. They're going to all come at you at the, at the same time. And that person that you're talking to may feel the need to also defend Islam because they have all those people there with them. So again, individual, one-on-one contact is going to be the best way to deal with a Muslim person. Please listen to what I'm about to say now. Women should meet with women, and men should meet with men. There are restrictions on meetings to men with women to whom they may not be married. Failure to respect this will badly hurt your witness. So how can we deal with that practically? You have two guys, you go to a door, you knock. It's a Muslim person. They're interested in the, in the Lord Jesus Christ. They want to talk to you. She invites you in. She's the only person home. Should those two men go into that house and give that woman the gospel? Based on the cultural differences, the answer is no. And you would say, well, maybe that's the only time that person is going to have the opportunity to give the gospel. Great. Give them a tract that has the gospel in it. But then set up a time, set up a meeting where a Christian woman can go and speak to this person one-on-one. The worst thing that you could do is burn your bridge immediately when you're at the door. You want to make sure that you're very careful with how you meet with a Muslim person. Again, failure to respect these simple cultural things could badly hurt your witness and suddenly not have an open door anymore. So please, make sure that you're taking these practical things in mind. If you are going to have a a meeting with a Muslim person, here are some practical things also to keep in mind. Don't be afraid to invite them to dinner. They appreciate you inviting them in. Do not serve pork as it is forbidden. Again, just very practical. Don't serve pork. It's it's forbidden to them. Never shake with your left hand. If you're left-handed, don't don't shake with your left hand. Again, these are cultural things we just have to keep in mind. If you have a pet, for example, 
Keep the pet away because a Muslim person sees a pet as unclean. And again, you may say these things sound silly, but no, these are taking away the roadblocks. We're trying to get everything out of the way to keep them from not respecting you and what you have to say. Also, here's another thing. Don't be afraid to visit them. And don't even be afraid to visit them unexpectedly because they actually see you coming and visiting them as a great, friendly gesture, even unexpectedly. So don't be afraid to show up. Sure, it may not be a good time, but it's never a bad thing to go to a contact's house unexpectedly to talk to them about the gospel. Now, when it comes to times, when should we give the gospel? The fasting month of Ramadan is not a good time to go door to door. So we've talked about if you do have contact with a Muslim person at work or something, it, it, it could be a good time to talk to them about uh, prayer and what they believe. But when it comes to door to door, it's not a, a good time to go. Now, Ramadan is usually going to be between the months of March and May. It does change depending on the Islamic calendar. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But again, it's not necessarily the best time to go. Why is that? Well, again, they're very, very religious during that time, and they may not be willing to hear anything that would go against what their um, beliefs are. So just keep that in mind. If you do know only one, uh, forgive me, when you do go to, um, when you do go to knock on a Muslim's door, make sure that you're conservative and that you're modestly dressed. That's something that we would normally do, but it's something to keep in mind because, again, there are cultural things that they view and they respect from us. So make sure that you're dressed conservatively and modestly. And again, as we've been saying, try to limit your conversation to explaining the gospel. If they try to talk to, start talking to you about other things, again, try to drive it back to the gospel because we don't know how much time we're going to have to talk with them. Remember that you will have to explain terms, like I've said before, like blood of Christ, son of God, atonement, Holy Spirit, gospel. These are terms that we throw around all the time, but a Muslim person doesn't know what they mean in the context of the Bible. So you're going to have to define your key terms when speaking with a Muslim person. And again, remember to keep the, th- the main thing the main thing, and that's the gospel itself. We're nearing the end. A couple more things I wanted to share with you. The next thing is make sure you pray and that you persevere in prayer. Remember this, and I know Brother Ray can attest to this, prayer changes everything. Prayer changes everything. Remember that we're involved in a spiritual battle and that prayer and intercession are going to be extremely important when dealing with a Muslim person before we go to talk to the Muslim person, and even as we're talking to the Muslim person, we need to earnestly ask the Holy Spirit for guidance. Always be willing to get those little nudges from the Holy Spirit. I remember that I've felt them actually when speaking with a Muslim person in the past many years ago. And even when we're we're out door to door or when we're we're, um, out on the streets, you can feel that, that little nudge from the Holy Spirit to go talk to that person. Or, or something like that. Be willing to listen to the Holy Spirit for guidance. Be patient in witnessing to the same person more than once. 
Remember that a lot of us didn't come to the saving knowledge of Christ the first time we heard the gospel. I sure didn't. I probably heard it 100,000 times before I came to Christ. And so remember, it's not going to be an instant reaction most times. Could that happen? Absolutely. We'll give the glory for it. But especially when it comes to a Muslim person, you have to be willing to be patient. And of course, as we're going door to door, pray for an open door. We should be praying even now that we have this knowledge that the Lord will open up the heart of some Muslim person that we're going to meet with. Pray that the Lord will open the door, not only their physical door, but the door of their heart, that they may be willing to hear the gospel in the first place. Remember that like most people, again, they'll need to hear the gospel more than once to be saved. And let them know that you're praying for them. Not ritualistically like they do, but that you're praying for them personally to your God. Even if they don't have the same God as us, they will appreciate the fact that you're praying personally for them. A couple of last points and we'll be done. Never say anything negative about the Quran, Muhammad, and Muslims. I think that's really a given, but I just wanted to, to bring it up here. We do not want to embarrass or upset anyone in our Muslim community. Do not debate or question Muhammad as a prophet. Again, even if we don't believe the same thing, our goal is to keep the main thing the main thing, and that's the gospel. We've talked about before that if, if um, the, the direction of the conversation is going truly just outside of the gospel, we need to try to bring it back to that. If you attack the person's morals, you, will inevitably, you inevitably will inflame passions and lose the hearer. Again, so there are things that they do that we don't believe are possible or that we don't believe are right, but we are never to attack that person's morals. We are to avoid confrontational or controversial subjects such as Palestine and Israel and all trivial matters. Again, these things may be silly, but we want to keep the gospel as the focus. Here are some things that we do want to do. Present the facts, the evidence, and the promises in the Bible for all who put their faith in Jesus Christ. And present the evidence which shows that the Bible is true and has never suffered any corruption. That's what we do want to do. And finally, again, we, we've talked about this. I want to elaborate it on a little bit more. Do not anticipate instant conversions. Yes, there are times when we go door to door, the person bows their head and they do get truly saved. But to be honest with you, that's very rare and especially when it comes to a Muslim person, you can't expect for them to be instantly saved the first time you talk to them. Remember that conversions, of course, are the work of the Holy Spirit, even though we are the human instrument. Evangelism requires prayer, patience, and perseverance. To close, we have to understand that it's a marathon, not a sprint, when it comes to giving them the gospel. In conclusion, if you wanted to just sum up the main things that we've talked about today, number one, be ready. Know what your Bible says. Number two, when witnessing, keep the gospel the main thing. Number three, allow the Bible and the Holy Spirit to do the work. Number four, be knowledgeable and understanding of the cultural differences. And then number five, be patient. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And give God the glory 
when they do get saved. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity, um, again, to look into your word and to consider how we, as members of Long Hill Baptist Church, can make a difference in our Muslim community. Lord, we do pray that you would help us. Give us, Lord, opportunities. Show us um, open doors and open hearts that we may see one of our Muslim neighbors come to the saving knowledge of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.